Hello. Hello. Is this James Dumont? Uh, you know. Hey, what's up? Oh, uh, you know, we're just being crazy, yeah, like yeah. we do. Welcome to the Crazy Ant Farm. Right. <laughs> That's right. So uh, you survived Gordon, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was terrifying. So uh, over Sunshine, here to... <laughs> blue skies. One of the most sunny days I've seen in Louisiana and the warm. You, you knew there was a storm coming because you could feel the warm heat. Like, right. Like, there's the wind that goes through, but this is like a heated wind. So yeah. happening. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it was uh, same over here in Mississippi, yeah, and actually, yeah. we're making fun because today, while we're recording the show right now, it's been epic storming. Yeah, uh, we've seen more rain and thunder and lightning today than anything we saw yesterday. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, yeah, pretty funny. Now we're getting the feeder bands. So you know. never, never forget uh, tropical right. storm Gordon. There was a leaf I saw, saw on the ground. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, listen, thanks so much for joining us, Hell man. Yeah. We're really excited about this interview um, and really Absolutely. excited to have you on as a guest. Um, we were just telling our listeners, you know, for anybody who's fans with uh, that show with those guys in Bourbon Bay Radio, you know, you, you interview with them. And uh, I, I listened in on, on, on your most recent interview with them, and I was just impressed as hell. Um, I, the, the, the way you approach things and, the, and how real you are, it just – I was really impressed, and I was excited to get you on the show and talk to you about uh, your, the way you approach your craft and, and how, you, how you go about handling yourself and, and, and the way you carry yourself in this crazy industry. Hell yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, okay, so for our listeners who might not be familiar with you, and, and like we said, you might not know his name, but you've seen his face, and you've been That's in it, like plan. just about everything. So um, why don't you give <laughs> him a little bit of a background on guy. you? Aren't you that guy? Yeah, that guy, exactly. <laughs> like one guy. Um, so, so how did you get started in the industry? Because uh, you've been in it for quite a while now. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I grew up in Chicago, mm-hmm. so I was a kid, kid actor in Chicago. Um, did a little a few things in high school. Um, my school had some, a lot of really amazing kind of people in it. Um, you know, Cusack was the year behind me, uh, year behind me, and then Jeremy Piven was my year, and then uh, Joni Cusack was a couple years older. Oh wow! wow. So, like, there was already a, like a theater. You know, there were already people working in film in Chicago. You know, when I was in high school. So the Hughes people. You know, Cusack, Cusack was working already while we were all in school. So. You know, like, and I had the bug before that, just kind of doing theater as yeah. a kid. Um, and, you know, just as a way to kind of like, I, you know, I remember my mom telling me this story when I was real little, that like it was the first season of Sesame Street. That's how old I am. And um, <laughs> I remember looking at the TV and I just like turned her, I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. She's right. like, what? I was like, I want to be on that. I want to be on TV. Like yeah. when I was really little. So kind of how I went. Just kind of like she's like you do. It's like then you know. Next thing you know, I'm doing modeling and then doing commercials and stuff as a kid. And then um, I did a lot of extra work when I first started out. I did risky business as an extra. I did. uh, I mean, pretty much as an extra. And then Blues Brothers, I was an extra. But then, oh nice. There was this. There was an opportunity to do like a whole dancing scene. They wanted people to do how to dance, and so I knew how to dance. And so we did the whole dancing scene. you know, with Ray Charles, you know, dancing in the streets. So oh, like, wow. Nice. Shake a tail so feather. <laughs> yeah. That was the first kind of big thing where I was like, okay, now I got this sad card that I was supposed to get. And, you know, I've kind of had it ever since. And I stopped a little bit. I played a little bit, uh, played a little baseball in high school, um, auditioned for lots of stuff. And then I got into college and went to school in Boston. Oh, they, okay. Well, yeah, they, there you okay. Go. First of all, can there be a more epic way to get the SAG card? Right, like, shit. <laughs> That's a yeah, pretty. Kind of yeah. great. Like I went from like my uncle was the head of the CTA uh, transport for like special event. Uh huh. And so I was on the tr- I was like one of the passengers on the train on that. Oh, okay. And then someone had said one of some they were doing dance auditions next week for the for the scenes they were going to do on the train uh, train platform. So I went from being on the platform to, like, down on the street. So it was like, uh, you know, it's that story that everybody's like, oh, you want to, you know, some people do extra work in the hopes that they get upgraded to get a line. Right. So that was, that was my, you know, that was the situation for me. Um, and so, yeah, it worked out pretty great. And there's this one, I'm, in, I'm, I'm on the whole dance sequence, but there's one little section that I keep showing to my family and stuff. And so that's, and then that got me, you know, I, at that point, you, you do commercials for a little while. 
and you, you you're called Taft Hartley, and then you have to like join the union. You're you're a must join. Right. And at that point, I was a must join, so I was like, okay, now I'm doing movies. So, you know, I'm just going to, you know, but it didn't mean that I was working for like quite a good while. I had right. A small part in the movie Class with uh, Rob Lowe and Andrew McCarthy that got cut out. Yeah, right. and that's uh, what Jacqueline Bissett, right? Yeah. 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 I remember yeah. that one. And, and really not like a, like a movie. It was a movie of the week that I did early on, and then. It wasn't until like I got when I got to school in Boston. I went to BU on a on a theater scholarship and uh, started again. They were just immersed in theater for the first two years. So then, then after that, I went to New York and I started working in New York. Awesome. So doing mostly theater, like a lot of theater. You know, I did tons of. You know, we would. It's it was not uncommon at that point in time for an actor to be doing live readings of plays of young playwrights plays three, four times a week. I mean, I would see a group of people that are all kind of like, now these playwrights are all television producers and creators of shows. And, um, you know, we used to do a lot of their, Alan Ball was one of the playwrights. And he wow. Did, like, six Feet Under. Yeah. Uh, Craig Lucas. Um, God, the list kind of goes on. Pretty much every, almost every writer that was on HBO in the last 20 years was, was, was a former playwright in New York. So there was a time where you would, us actors would just kind of go, re- you know, from reading to reading. It was just a way to keep your your skills sharp. You know, the the the, the modern day equivalent of that now is the is the self tape auditions. Right, you right. Know, so the way to kind of keep sharp is just by having real auditions that you put on tape. Um, but in the back of the day, it was just like you just you had a you know there, there was no cell phones and you had to have change in your pocket to call into the you know to the uh, to your answering service or you had a beeper. Right. You know? um, or you had an answer machine that, you would, that would that would beep you when there was a message. So, you know, you just had to wait for the call. But while you were waiting, you were really kind of working your craft. So I was involved right. with Ensemble Studio Theater, which had like David Mamet as a theater member, uh, you know, God. as a playwright member. <laughs> so some of his early plays, John Patrick Shanley, wow. uh, Wendy Wazerstein. Uh, you know, these are like playwrights from the you know mid eighties. Yeah, 90s. right. Yeah, yeah. That um, so you would do you would you know you would do their plays. That's how you kept your skills sharp and. From that, you'd get plays, and agents would be there, and cast directors would show up. In those days, cast directors would be out looking for people. Right, that right. was the kind of re- reverse of these days, which is they're they're you know trying to avoid actors. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, because there's just so many of them. They're just like you know, like better to have it electronically and keep it a distance. But those days, cast directors and agents were out three, four times a week watching their clients and various things. So that was a way in which that I got my first kind of agent that way which was, um, uh, you know, as I was able to really kind of uh, be doing a play with somebody else who had an agent, that agent came to the show, and that's how I got my first agent in New York. Right, and, and you know, that's fantastic. Just, I, I, I love the theatrical background and, and that, that you, you come from theater because uh, we've had several guests on the show who started in theater, and they all talk about how they wouldn't have had it any other way, that the experience that they gained from there uh, and what it led to as film and television, you know, was invaluable. Um, and yeah. just hearing you talk, you know, and, and the way you say you approached, you know, keeping your craft and doing the reads and, and the different things you can tell. Um, do you find yourself going back and doing a lot of theater now that you've seen a lot of success in film and television? Is it something that you still enjoy doing or? Oh God, I would, I would love to do it more than anything. It's just, it just becomes a financial and time, a time, you know, time responsibility. Right. You know, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm the breadwinner of a family of four, you know, right. so it's like, you know, so film and television are my ways of making money. So I can't, um, I can't afford the ability to like not do a TV show or a movie in order to, to rehearse for six weeks and put up a play. Right. Um, so that's, the, that's the biggest challenge for me is that, you know, uh, you know, if I nail a series or something like that, or, you know, some big movie where I'm working multiple weeks, you know, then I'd have a little bit of a nest egg in order to kind of put some time aside. There's a couple of plays that I, there's a play that I, that I produced in LA that I've been dying to do in, in the South, which is about sports gamblers, about guys that bet on college football. And, uh, that's the kind of play that if I were to put it up at like a casino, right. It would never close. It would just never, it's like bleacher bums, but for football. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, these two, two guys and a girl, and two guys and the unlucky girl that's in the middle of their lives. And, it's just a, a great comedy, and we thought we would just run it for like six weeks in L.A. We ran for six months, and there six go. months either in L.A. is like unheard of, you know. Yeah. So 
that that's a play that's not something that I've been you know my wife has been bothering me about why don't you do that game you know serious games I'm like yeah I, I don't get around to it you know and I just I just don't so I mean I, that's something that I would probably pursue but I'd probably produce that and put together three or four different casts yeah in order to make you know make it you know keep the show running in case because the challenge we had in LA is that the same thing here is that all the actors that I've been working with in you know theater. Uh, they work a lot in commercials in LA, but they worked a lot in television as well. So we had we had three full casts of that play oh, in wow. order to kind of switch people around. So it became a little bit you know hard to kind of organize rehearsals and pick up rehearsals to do it. But in that six months time, I mean, we went through all three casts of either replacing people or we didn't we didn't want to cancel the show. Yeah, I bet so not. I think that uh, that's something that I would probably you know look into here in the South just because. I know this, this playwright's from New Orleans. I know this play would be a huge hit here. But that'd be like the only thing that I would be excited about kind of doing. For me, locking up that time period when, you know, it's fall episodic season and I'm, I'm on a series that'll start back up in January. So it's like, mm, that window of time to do it, you know, it's <laughs> right. very small. Absolutely. You know? right. Absolutely. Well, I, I tell you, I mean, the, the iron might be hot right now, though, James. I'm just going to go along with the wife here and say a little bit, you know, with the whole... Yeah passing of the sports book you know in the casinos. <laughs> i know not so much in louisiana yet but boy i tell you what it'd go over huge here i think <laughs> i think it's they're trying to make it legal well, in louisiana I, I figured if this was like you know if i were to do it right and, and put it in a place i call it jock theater you know this is there the you kind go. Of theater where where you know like a girl would go and they're like yeah you know i never thought i'd be into this thing but it's really good you know because <laughs> there's a girl character in the thing you know but it's like, you know, guys in football. It's just like that's Absolutely. never going to not go out of style, particularly in the South, and gambling, you know? So it's got a, it's got a good edge. We'll see. I mean, I'm going to put together some readings of it and see if we get some people behind it. Awesome, One man. step at a time. But, you know, I keep saying that I've been here three years now uh, full-time, and so... It still hasn't happened. Well, <laughs> well I, I have confidence it will, and when it does, let us know because we will yes. help promote it and, and push it and, yeah, yeah, and get behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, Okay, so you, when you say been here for three years for our listeners, you're talking about New Orleans, correct? Yeah, I relocated about three years ago full-time. <clears throat> I've been going back and forth. My wife is originally from Baton Rouge, so we have lots of family here. Um, so been wanting to move back, you know, for a good while. Uh, I just, you know, if it wasn't for Deepwater Horizon, you know, that gave me 12 weeks of work where I knew that I would be having, you know, consistent employment enough right. to kind of make, you know, rationalize the move. Right. right. My daughter got in, my daughter got into NOCA, my son got into a school, it's a feeder school for Jesuit high school. So, nice. you know, it was just like, it was kind of time for us to kind of, you know, LA, we'd done our, you know, ran the course in LA, had a nice house and sold it so that we're able to kind of have a, you know, a little bit better life here in Louisiana. Right. right. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I think that's great. I think we've had several guests say that you've got to kind of pay your dues and make it through L.A. and yeah. then kind of go where you want to go. And, yeah, right. I mean, well, you don't right. have to, you know, pretty much, you can don't have to live in L.A. to be, right. if, you've, if you've already paid your dues. You yeah, can do you it just got to kind of go right. through there and get where you want to go. So right. congrats to that, though. That sounds fantastic. And, uh, hey, New yeah. Orleans is picking back up again. I will and now I work a lot more on the East Coast than I did before. You're you know, just out in Baltimore, in LA, right? It's like the New York really never really kind of considered you for opportunities because you were LA, right? Um, but now that now that I'm in New Orleans, which is you know three hours from LA and three hours from New York, um, and one hour from Atlanta, exactly. you know, I'm kind of in the right spot right. for whatever I need to do. So I've I've worked both in New York and in LA. The irony is, I you know after a year of being here. I book a big miniseries back in L.A. for the Law and Order, you know, Menendez yeah, Murder. right. It's like, yeah. you know, I guess I had to leave L.A. in order to get, you know, right. to, yeah. to get, you know, get six episodes on the series. I guess I had to leave. Right. Yeah. So it's just That's one funny. of those kind of like, uh, you know, I think, you know, and I said it before for younger actors. I think, you know, you really everybody feels like you've got to be in L.A. or you've got to be in New York, and I just that's just not the case. Atlanta's just fine. New yeah. Orleans is just fine. I think the the, the thing that people really um, you know, because I, I started to coach, which I've never done before. I started that, coaching and teaching about three years ago. That, that's how and we met. <laughs> I had a lot of young actors that I kind of mentor and help and really get their on-camera skills competitive you know, for whatever market, you know. But I think the thing that I that people happens is they do one job on NCIS New Orleans, and they're like, I'm ready to go to L.A. And I'm like, look, no one is going to care about cop number one. Right. right. <laughs> it's like, like, you know, you why leave here? 
you know, where you're one of like 25 young actors that everybody likes, you know, then uh, go there and be, you know, 250,000 actors yeah, in your age group, you know. Be, being a small fish in a small pond rather than a... So I always say to young actors, I'm like, you know, don't leave one market until you've really dominated that. Right. And then go on to the bigger markets. I mean, until you're the guy that walks into every audition in Atlanta and Louisiana, um, or even New York, you know, you go... Until you're the guy that's booked every other job that there is to be had in that area. That's when you leave. But until you're that person, uh, or let them call you. Let them, let them, you know, most of of the actors that I know that have done so well are because because they were being pursued by managers and agents in Los Angeles or New York. Right, right. They were coming looking for them. You know, and I go back to the Dakota Fanning story, which is Dakota Fanning, like, stayed in high school all in Atlanta all while she was a movie star. Yeah, she never left. Her, you know, you know, and L didn't leave until she was done with high school. So it was like the Fanning still lived and worked in Atlanta, but she's worked all over on movies. So right. I just feel like until until they're calling you, um, there's really no reason to kind of go there. I know there's a time and window where, you know, if you're 18 to 24 in terms of the type of characters, that that's a place for you. Uh, but but there's already people already there and they're and they're not making a living and they're struggling and the cost of living is extremely expensive in LA now more so than it ever has been before. So I feel like you know until you're the person that's you know got you know recurring role on a network series or you've been in a major film, a uh, really nice role on a studio movie or lead an independent, you know when you have those kind of like under your belt, you know and you have rep- and you have real so- solid representation. That is that is that's hungry and excited about working with you. That's the time to go. But until then, you know, this is a great place for you to really do as I did when I was younger, which is, you know, I did I did readings everywhere. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. show up to the opening of an envelope. That's how hungry <laughs> and, and excited and desperate I was. You know, and uh, so I feel like you know that 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 same kind of excitement, enthusiasm, and now there's a time where people create their own projects. So Definitely. you can shoot a feature film, you can do a web series, you, can, you know, you can do your own television series. You know, I shot my own show recently and that never did that before. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a time now where, you know, until they're really, they're looking for you, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, there's no reason to leave, you know, dominate one market before you go on to the next one. And see, I think that's just like fantastic advice. It's like I said, it's one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the show because it, it's real. You you just lay it out and, and, and you say how it is. And and I, I think that that's invaluable advice for people who are listening to the show, trying to crack yeah, into definitely. the industry, who think that it's not possible. And not only are you saying it's possible, but you're telling them how to do it. And and you know, I I just yeah, I I think it's fantastic advice. I like your approach. Um, and, and I think it's the, the way you've been able to build a career by the way that you think shows that you can have a successful career over a long period of time yeah. um, and, and make a living doing it the way you're doing it. And uh, so much respect for you and how you've been able to do Thank it. Uh, um, I, uh, I think it's fantastic. And uh, I, I'm glad our listeners are hearing it. Uh, are you still coaching? <laughs> Yeah, I still coach. I do. I do an on-camera workout uh, yeah, two times a week when I'm not when I'm not working. Yeah, that, that's, that's how we met. Actors, <laughs> actors bring in material, and I kind of get them sharp on camera and give them notes, adjustments, and then the big I, thing is we watch playback, and playback's really where you learn. You know, if you if you don't know, you're not doing something, or you got you know this little tick of your you know eyebrow, or you raise your eyebrows a lot, or your eye lines are outside of the frame. You know, it's like if you don't if no one's showing you that. You know, well, you're never going to get better. And I think, you know, unlike when you're doing theater, you do it live and the audience tells you whether you suck or not. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> so it's like, but I mean, when it comes to film or television, it's like you have the luxury of playback to really kind of learn and see what changes and adjustments. So it becomes very empowering. So for me, I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm creating this kind of uh, uh, class that, you know, and I've done it in... New York, and I've done it in Atlanta and Chicago, and uh, did it up in uh, uh, Boston when I was working up there. I just, you know, find six to eight people who are really hungry to kind of learn the craft of how to work within the, you know, act within the context of the frame and really prepare for auditions. Because now we're at this time where, you know, you can shoot audition, you can live one place and, and shoot and work somewhere else. Right. Exactly. So it's like it, it all comes down to crafting, and if and. It's important to know how to act because then I can really kind of help you as opposed to 
I'm not an acting teacher. You know what I mean? I can't teach you how to act. Uh, right. Well, I mean, I you what I do, but I can teach you what to act and what's applicable for an audition. That, I think that's what's different. Is well, that well, you're, I myself, you're you know, an excellent coach, if I recall. Two, three <laughs> times a week. So I'm showing you, you know, techniques and skills that I use myself in real time. It's not like I'm trying to rope you into a class for six to eight weeks and, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah. Fill you, fill you up with philosophy. I'm actually filling you up with, you know, knowledge and, and real things that I use myself. Well, so it's a it's a little bit different in that regard than you know your your basic acting class or an on camera class. Absolutely. Is that it's a, it's a workout? You know what I mean? You go. You know, I'm a I'm a coach. You know, I'm not really. Uh, I have things to teach people, but I'm not a teacher per se. Well, I, I, I don't coach from opportunity and how and what my experience is. Yeah. Um. I, I, we, I don't know if you remember that's how that's how we met. I know we've met other places, but uh, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Nuruddine Debose, brought me to your class once, and uh, I think uh, the only thing you, I think you remember one thing you just I had a problem with my eyeline, so you gave me. So you're an ex, you're an excellent coach. I do remember that, and so uh, I I would Thanks. fully endorse you for that. But um, I was just curious if you were yeah, still doing. I think it. it's, it's 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 in crafting. Right. You know, you're not going to outfame somebody, and you're not going to out uh, cue them in terms of you know, or or visibility, or their or or influence or social media influence. You're not going to. That's not going to work. You know what I mean? You're not going to be able to, to alter or change that. Right. What you can do is you can outcraft somebody. You know, you 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 know, you can't outfame them, you can't outage them, but you can outcraft them. And so I think it just comes down to, and I do remember you coming in, and that's what it is. Like you know, no one. There's a lot of people who do these self-tapes that, you know, they're in the taping business, so it's about turnaround. Right. It's not about trying to coach them or get better. Right. It's about, like, well, when I'm done with you, I got five other people behind you, you know? Like, right. want to do it again? Yeah. Like, that's the only no. Like, that's not, <laughs> like, your friend could do, a monkey could do that, you know? Yeah. But I feel like <laughs> when you're really giving somebody, like, tools and techniques and things to remember for this one and for the next one, then things kind of get progressively better. And you start to see that, the caliber and the quality. Like I just coached a, a well-known actor here in New Orleans who works a lot and everybody knows him, but he's like, was up for a big thing. And Lance had coached him on his first audition. And then we got, we got notes and stuff like that. And I said, okay, let's, I said, I see what happened. I see the audition. I see what the notes are. These are the things I would fine tune and change. And of course, you know, boom, he got the job. The, right. The big one. So it's like, you know, and that's, you have to know that even the people at the top level, like, Tiger Woods has a coach. I mean, Absolutely, like, you know, exactly. Like, you know, the, uh, you know it's, uh, Serena Williams has a coach. And right. now that Labor Day weekend, so it's passed. But my point is, is that, you know, even at the top level, the people have coaches, and I know it's hard and expensive, but I also feel like, you know, no deposit, no return. Exactly. You don't put in the time and energy. Like one of my, one, a brand new kid, new to the business, you know, was brought to me, and he's like, I really want it, I'm really hungry, and I was like, okay, we'll come to class. He drives in from Lafayette, to my class in New Orleans and shows up there for three hours and drives on back. There you and go. He kept doing it and doing it and then finally he gets his first live audition. He goes in and today he called and said he got called back. And I'm like, of course you did. I was like, you, you know, he goes, well, what do I do in the callback? I said, the same thing we do in session. You're going to get notes or adjustments. You take those notes and adjustments and you deliver them. That's yep. it. Yep. Just like you would do on set. Right. So, I mean, like, there's a guy that's brand new to the business and has already gone from but I, I, he was praising me, but I was like, you don't just praise me. You're the one that, you're the one that drove in. You're the one that spent the time, money, and energy to invest in your, in wanting to do this. And you're hungry and you want it. And so, you know, rather than feel entitled because there's tax credits here or that there's lots of opportunities and they'll just, they'll just keep coming. Um, I think his general philosophy was, I just want to get a little bit better. And I think that, that little germ or seed of somebody wanting to get just a little bit better than they were yesterday or the day before. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's, the, that's, that's gold for me because I can help you, you know, Absolutely. but I feel like there's, there is, a, there is a little bit of a, there is a little bit of a, a entitlement when it comes to, you know, all the business has been here for over a decade now. And I think a lot of people take that for granted right? and they don't realize that, you know, people are leaving wherever they are and going to Atlanta. There's more competition now. Yeah. And that, you know, you have to be as good as the people in L.A. or New York. It becomes down to economics. You know, it's like you have to be just as strong as those larger markets. So, you know, for me and my, you know, my mentor is a guy named Tim Phillips, who is kind of an audition guru for 30 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I spent 10 years working with him, you know, 
on, you know, 50 book jobs, you know, so, you know, even, even, and he's in Atlanta now. So now my teacher, (laughs) you know, so I turned to my students, I'm like, you guys got to get better because my teacher is in Atlanta. So, you know, it's like the boss's boss, you know what I mean? But I was like, you know, so, uh, I mean, y'all got to get, y'all got to get, you know, I, I understand, you know, people work, you know, two, three jobs and it's hard to invest and it's hard to pay back, but. If, if you get that, you know, the hard thing to understand is if you get that audition, this is your best acting opportunity. This is the acting job you have this week. Absolutely. And so, you know, treat everything like it's a way to drop everything and be ready and just do your best. Yep. Treat everything uh, like it's like career, it's an award winning role. That's <laughs> the name of Tim's book. And it's like, that's what that's what it's about. You know, that's how that's how I've been able to survive after all these years. I've watched tons of very talented, much more talented than me people leave the business because of the business. They yeah. just, they just, and they, and they, or they got really good at doing this one thing. And then that one thing was no longer, you know, interesting, you know, 90210 hunky good look was like, that's not enough. You know, yeah. you know, and that, so, uh, that James is a great point. First of all, let me just say, I love the terminology because you hear acting coach all the time, but then you listen to these people talk and it's more like, they're a talent scout or a right. talent. A, you, l- listen, you either have talent or you don't. That's just it. I'm but a firm coaching, believer in that. Coaching is a great terminology because you can coach talent. You right. can't teach talent, but you can coach talent. Right. Like you said, you That's can give exactly them right. the tools to succeed or not succeed. So I love the fact if that you don't you know how do to that. use that tool. You know, that, it doesn't, it's, it's pointless. That's why I say to people, I'm like, you know, you come to me when you know how to act. Exactly. Right. You know, I can't teach you how to act. Right. That's that, that's for another teacher, and, and, there, and there are great ones here and other places. Right. But it's like how what to act and how to make it applicable for on camera work. Yes. Uh, I'll go up against anybody anybody in this region in that regard. You yeah, know what I mean, I, like the, the, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Because like because I'm doing it myself. It's not like I'm not giving you somebody else's philosophy. Well, exactly. You know, and, these are tools. These are tools that I use myself to get work. And, and been very successful. Like, yeah, and yeah. been successful for you know decades. And what I what I love is what you just said though. You know, like if somebody gets relaxed or comfortable and they fall into this niche of this is what they do, and then what they do is no longer wanted. So I love the approach that you take about no, you have to be able to do this and this and this and this and be able to use those tools to to. Go after more than one thing because I think you're right. I th- I think we've seen a lot of people come and go where they just get comfortable in what they're able to do and never grow. And then like what they're able to do is no longer necessary, and there they're gone. And right. I-, I love the fact that that you bring that up and are real about that because I-, I agree with you. I think we've seen a lot of talent talented people fall by the wayside because they were stuck in one mode. And I- that's a great that's exactly point. Right. That is a great point. And, you know, even, and, and I'm not saying these things as even philosophically for myself. These are things that I really apply to myself. Like, right. I've had to rebrand and re, and I have to work, my, my representation has to re educate other cast directors that saw me early in my career where I was green and I was not able to craft out my audition. Right. And, and never gone back there for like 10 years. So it's like, you know, even 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 at my level, you know, like I learned this thing from Henry Winkler. You know, it's a hustle at every level. Exactly, it's exactly. a hustle at every level. And, and I had this hilarious thing happen where Henry Winkler handed me a, you know, I met him. And I'm like, oh my god, it's the Fonz, fucking Yale <laughs> graduate, the Fonz. I mean, like I'm meeting the Fonz. He hands me a card. And on the back of the card, it's like, please watch my show Tuesdays on CBS. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait, wait. I just got solicited by the Fonz. Yeah. yeah. That's owns, hilarious. He owns the rights to the MacGyver series. He was the wow. Fonz. He was, he's a Yale graduate. And, and he, here he is pitching and trying to get me to watch his fucking TV show. Right. So yeah. I'm just like, if you, if you know, you got to know that if the Fonz is hustling, yeah. then what's right. your excuse? What's it, your excuse? <laughs> he's an American icon. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! That's I don't awesome. try to rest on any laurel. I don't. I think it's a huge mistake to rest on any laurels. Exactly. You know, because because the business changes, tastes change, uh, uh, qualities and styles change. Right. Um, you know, I, I. You know, this is why I'm big on Tim Phillips' book so much. And Tim, in, in Tim Phillips in Atlanta, it's timphillipsstudio.com, By the way, okay. Uh, two S's, <laughs> Phillips Studio. And why I'm big about what I'm what I'm crazy about him is because. 
everybody was talking about this Michael Shirtless audition book. Right. Which is 30 years old. And, and the acting style and what he's teaching is 30 years old. Mm. It's be bigger, bolder. When if you look at these TV shows now, it is not about that. Right. It, you, watch, you watch Handmaid's Tale. You watch Ozark. It is about small, crafted subtleties yes. that have nothing to do about being bigger or bolder. Wholeheartedly it's about agree. being less and less is more and simplistic and, and clear and specific. Yeah, exactly. So it's like here, here's a here's a book that's clouded as the big audition book, but it's it's dated. It's almost like some of the acting techniques are dated. They don't they're not applicable for 21st century actors. That's exactly right. So then and you have somebody who's talking about being clarity, being clear and specific, like Larry Moss's book, right? Or Tim Phillips' book about you know cliches or little or, or you know, three act structures within an audition. I mean, like stuff like that is, is, is totally applicable for now. Absolutely. So, you know, I think for, even for me, it's like, I've gotten, I've learned to get better on camera from my students. I've learned a great deal from them. And then the hard challenge is being able to articulate what I do to someone else to try to get them to do it. Absolutely. And that, that's been the biggest challenge for me. But now I'm able to kind of now really get down my, my verbiage and my language and, and, and get to evoke a kind of response from, from them. And then what's happening is then myself, when I'm looking at material, I'm working that same particular way. Yes. I'm trying to find the things that are going to separate me from everybody else. And see, I love so that. I, I love yeah. the fact that you, you, are, you recognize that you can learn at the same time, you're coaching. You can you can learn Correct. just as much from them as you're teaching them, and I, I love Absolutely. that because you're never too old to learn. I think anybody that follows us, you know, and follows us individually, know we we talk about, and I love that the fact that you said, you know, never rest on your laurels. We we can't say hustle and grind enough. I, exactly. I look at right. it as your brand is a living document, if you will. It's right. ever evolving right. and ever changing, it and if change, it's not, it'll evolve and it'll grow. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, do you guys know the play American Buffalo? Yeah. I used to. I, I have this analogy that I, that I think is really good, which is: do, do you know the play well enough that there's three main characters in the play? Uh, okay. Okay. There's, yeah. There's Bob. There's Bobby, Teach, and Donnie. Bobby is a young. He's you know teenager. He's a heroin addict, so he's just in, has an insatiable appetite for. If he does these jobs and tasks for these guys, he'll get he'll get his drug. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's Bobby. And then there's Teach, who's like a kind of like a low level, not exactly a lieutenant, but he's like a low level kind of criminal. You know, he does little jobs to kind of get around so he can kind of you know. I think I did a scene to this in college. Basically, the you know, and he's got a little chip on his shoulder because he's not exactly where he wants to be. Right. And then you have and you have Donnie, who's like. He, he, he just sits there. He is who he is. He doesn't make excuses for anything. He fucking controls everything. And he keeps everybody I did do in a line, scene for this you know? in college. <laughs> so I always say the actor's career is like Bobby Teach and Donnie. There you go. Is that when you're, when, you, when you're young, you're like a heroin addict. You, I, as I did. Every reading, every play, every student film, changing in pizza parlors, you know, doing student films that I never get copies of. You know, I mean, I did everything I possibly could because I was hungry and I wanted it badly. And then you get into the teach phase of things where all of a sudden you get a little bit of taste, you get some jobs, but you're not quite the movie star. You're not quite where you want to be, but you, you know, you're there. Yeah. You know, you, but you, but you do want more and you strive for more. And then you get into the Donnie phase where you're just, you know, you're just an old character actor and you just show up and you just say your lines, you get paid, you tell some stories, you go home. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. You've reached Connery you know, level, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, and I wave and I waver between Teach and Donnie and, and, and go back to my Bobby phases every once in a while because, you know, even when I spoke to you today, you know, like I'm there there are roles and relationships that I'm trying to connect the dots from all my reps and there's cast directors I haven't seen in 10, 12 years that are, that have projects that I'm right for. And even I have to like get my people to bother them to get me in the room. So you got to know that even after all these years, there's, there's still, there's still an element of, you know, re, you know, retraining, getting better, um, uh, rebranding, retooling your skills. Um, there's an, you know, there's an education process. You have to get people behind you that really are in your corner. You know, I mean, I've always, I've always leaned more towards, 
I've been with William Morris. I've been with, you know, bigger agencies and stuff where I just kind of get lost and I'm just another one of their dudes, you know? Um, But I've more likely tended to gravitate towards people that, like, get me and see and recognize what what I'm capable of and even things that are beyond that. This summer I did roles that I just were so outside of my wheelhouse. Right. You know, a a serial killer uh, for this movie called Designed to Kill where it's like, this guy killed nine people in Wisconsin and he was a leader of a punk band that had a record label deal. And, you know, he was a former, you know, a Marine. He, so he knows how to kill people, but it's like this, this and he plays electric guitar and I've never played guitar in my life. So, I mean, I really <laughs> stretch myself. You know, I learned, I went, went to the range. I learned how to shoot. I learned how to fucking play guitar and I never played guitar before. You know what I mean? I learned about the serial killer and how he kind of came about. It's called Designed to kill. So it's about the, psychology of how somebody becomes an American jihadist. Right. And that's like, that is not Dallas Buyers Club. That is not Jurassic World. That is not, you know what I mean? That is not the cop, the doctor, the lawyer. That is something, a totally different character of which, you know, um, you know, I was offered, you know, so it's, that's because, you know, I put in my time and the director has known my work for 25 years. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, there, I feel like no effort, if someone puts no effort into something, you get no results. But, exactly. you know, I think the thing is what's frustrating is people feel they're putting an effort and it's not really kind of going. Um, and I, But I feel like it's fear of taking action, fear of taking risks uh, that, that really kind of kill those, that, that kind of enthusiasm for what we do. Uh, I agreed wholeheartedly, and so, let's be honest about it. The industry is built on risk. You have to take risk in this industry. Yeah, right, you I jump. mean, you, yep. have to, you have to grow and stretch, and the only way you do that is to do things out of your comfort zone. Yeah, and, and That's exactly right. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, one of, okay, now you have a really fascinating story because you brought up Dallas Buyers Club, and, and yep. we, we were a huge fan. Like I said, we listened to this interview that you did recently, and I know J-Lo's got a question for you because this was an epic story. So I, I want to make sure any of our listeners that missed it are able to hear this story because I just love this story. So J-Lo, go for it. I know you yeah. want to ask him. I just want to know uh, the relationship between you and Jared Leto. How's that? What's that like? Pretty amazing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Uh, I, I did something that I never did before. Almost on every set, when I'm working with an actor, I'll come right up to them and introduce myself. Hi, I'm going to complete playing, blah, blah, blah. Nice to meet you. Whether it's in the trailer or the makeup, the makeup trailer or on set or whatever, I, I almost always do that as a means to go, hey, we're about to work together. I just want to meet, you know, introduce myself. Right, right. And I was in the makeup trailer, and uh, I never know. I don't know Jared. I never met him before. The nature of the relationship between the father and son is really estranged. There's almost like they're, they're total strangers. They don't yeah. know each other. And he was over in the corner getting all his makeup done because he had AIDS and right. yeah. all the pox and, and things. And he had music playing in his headphones, and uh, so he seemed to really be in his own kind of world. And I kind of made a decision that I was not going to speak to him at all as an <laughs> actor to actor. Just I made a decision that, like we, that, that I don't know that fucking guy. <laughs> and and it's a strange, and it's all this kind of thing. And I never did that before, and I don't know what kind of prompted me to do. It. But I also felt like. He, he saw me out of the corner of his eye, and I saw him out of the corner. So I think he knew who I was, and I knew who he was. Right. But I never, uh, but we never spoke to each other at all. I think when we got on, when we got on set, um, you know, the director, Jean-Marc Vallée, who's an amazing director, anybody who ever gets an opportunity to work with him, uh, do it. He's incredible. Um, uh, he had set up uh, speakers around the thing. We were using the Alexa camera, so it doesn't require lighting setups. It's a general lighting setup for the whole scene. Right. And they use a lot of natural light, so the lamps and the, there was somebody bouncing light off the streets because we were downtown New Orleans. And, you know, he had a side conversation with me. Then he had a side conversation with Jared. The photographs that are in the Dallas Buyers Club scene are of, of my my real wife and my kids. Oh, wow. That are not part of, that are not part of you know, the, the family and... So he's looking at photographs of another family. It's almost strangers to him, which is not his. And that's basically, that's what the intent was. Yeah. So, you know, then there was this very slow, melodic kind of like a French accordion kind of music playing, which is very sad and melodramatic. And, and Jean-Marc had set that music up specifically to kind of set a tone of what the scene's about. Mm-hmm. So he had a little side conversation with Jared, had a side conversation with me. And he said, hey, don't worry about the camera. The camera's job is to find you. You just do the scene. 
and uh, I'm you know I'm not going to call cut. I'll call cut when we're we're done. Uh, so and then we'll just say do it again. He goes, but I'm uh, I just want you to go through the action. I'm not going to call action. You just do what you're going to do and let the camera discover it. And we'll go from there. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And so then we you know we did the scene. He got some notes. I got some notes. We did it again. And then we ended up doing it like 40 times. <laughs> like something, I think it was 42 times. Wow. And I found out from the editor that that one scene has eight different cuts in it that are from the various 40, 40 yeah. Wow. And once we really kind of had the scene, and, 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 you know, he would give a little, you know, to do this, he'd give little tweaks here and there, and this move around here. And, and, uh, then we would improv stuff. Then, then it was like coming up with stuff, and I'd tell him, you know, God's punishing you, you have AIDS. You know, and don't worry, I'll cash in. I'll cash in on yeah. your on your demise. Right. Choosing, you know, you made that choice to be who you're in. And, and, and mom, you know, and he'd say, well, I've always been a disappointment for you. You know, you wish I was dead when I was little. You know, and I was like, it was all these nasty, horrific things that were said to each other. Yeah. And after it was all said and done, I mean, we were both fucking emotionally. And we both were in tears back in various bet. different types of scenes, back and forth. And then when the scene was all over... He turned to me and, and I turned to him and I said, he, he goes, who are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jared. And we, and we never spoke to each other at all. It was always in character. And only at that moment. And he's just saying, man, we just fucking created some magic here. Yeah. And from that point on, like Jared felt like that scene was the scene that got him the Golden Globe and the Oscar. The right. Oh, scene, man. Other scenes were intense. Yeah. But the one between father and son was the one that really put him over the top. Yeah. yeah. And anybody so who's... Yeah, anybody yeah. who has not seen the movie, they you yeah, should definitely see scene, the movie. Oof. And like you're right scene, that that you know, like scene Jennifer is. Gardner like came up to me on the carpet. She's like, "That scene is the most powerful, heartbreaking scene in the oh entire movie." Absolutely. Like, you're, yeah. Who are you? You're amazing. Yeah, and and so Jerry never kind of forgot that. So when he came to LA, thirty seconds of the mornings was at the Hollywood Bowl, and he gave me a couple tickets, and I went backstage with my daughter and met him and his brother and band and you know and then when it came to the golden globes i mean i'm, I'm there with him he's like hold the golden globe half this is yours and i'm like no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> this is you buddy but but like that kind of generous spirit of which he didn't have to do any of that right you know and that's a mark of of you know i found my experience has been that the people at the top levels of this business are there for a very very good reason right the Tom Cruises and the Tom Hanks and, the, and Spielbergs and the Soderberg's is like these are exceptional people. These are exceptional people on many, many different levels. Not anywhere near the tabloid shit of the Kardashian crap that's out there. <laughs> I mean, real fucking real, mm-hmm. real talent. Yes, and yes. real and, and real genuine. And they, they they spend their time and they understand the value. When we're doing uh, Catch Me If You Can, there were Make a Wish kids there. Mm-hmm. That would not even be able to live for when the movie came out. And after yeah. each take, Tom would stop, and Leo and, and Stephen would explain to the kids how the scene was that it was historical. Cool. And, and, the, and some of the kids are lying there; they can't even stand up. That's how that's how deathly ill they are. Right. And, and it's like that that you, that's what that's what that's use fame that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Is to help and 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 create an amazing experiences for people, right? Uh, as opposed to this other just tabloid crap. Yeah. No. You know? Yeah. Oh, I, so I love that. When I really when I, you know, I learned a lot of really uh, lessons. I don't. I, I've still I still do an intro, and I I may do every once in a while. You know, if the right character and situation is right, that I won't have conversations. And I did that a little bit in Baltimore with certain people. I just. Because my character was such a sociopath, I did not give eye contact to people. I did not right, make right. jokes. I did not, you know, like I, and then when the work was over, then I was fine. Right. Yeah. But when, when I was in that work mode, I basically was very detached, wow. <clears throat> unpersonable, very much like my character was. Yeah. Well, I wasn't staying in characters per se. I just wasn't engaging in, in conversations and interactions of which uh, would distract me from what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. I, see, I, I, I'm I, I'm glad J Lo asked because I, I wanted to hear that story again, and I wanted the listeners to hear it. And I love the way that 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 you kind of rounded the story out with because I have another friend who's in the business who also said that, and I think it's a brilliant thing about how you you create art that you hope moves people, that 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 you hope makes an impact on people. And I think you're right. I think it's the artists who realize that 
and can share that the way that you just explained with certain people that do, they're the ones who are successful. They're the ones who stay in the industry a long time. They're the ones who stay at the top a long time. I, I think it's a great point, and I, I'm so glad you shared that That's story. That's how you stay constantly relevant. If you're if you're not if you're not adding anything, exactly. You're you're detracting. Exactly. Right. You got to keep adding the, to and, your and game. And right now, the the environment, the political structure, the the the, the White House. The Senate, the con- I mean, you know, you, you want to fuck, you know, and, and you kill, and he comes right in, he kills the, NA, the NEA, the National Endowment for the Arts. Right. Like, there's no, there's no better time than than now that an artist needs to, to make their mark and tell their story. Exactly. There's no better time, and there's and and there, and we're all craving for it. I don't want to hear any more shit about about separatism and an undivided states. I'm I'm done with that shit. Right. right. I, I find give me the human common thread, right? You know, like I just finished watching season one of Ozark, and I'm just like, you know, I'm going to bed thinking that I'm, the, oh my god, what's going to happen to them? Oh my shit! Yeah, <laughs> shit is crazy. <laughs> what, if, what if I gotten some shit like that with my family? Right. right? Oh my god. Right. You know, like I'm so lucky. My family is like fucking healthy, and yeah, yeah we got our problems, but not like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's just a fucking TV show, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Right. But I mean, like that's you know, as Shakespeare said, to hold us toward a mirror to nature. Yes, yes. Like, that's the deal. That's, that's, fuck the fame, fuck the money. It's like, if you're not, if you're not unearthing human behavior to inspire people or to make them think, then you're just, you're just, you're just, you, all you're doing is killing time before we're feet up. Absolutely. That's all you're fucking doing. Absolutely. And, I, and, I, and I you can not... do all the comic book movies you want and, and tell the stories, but even in those there's even messages in those, and, yeah. and super and things that we all kind of wish for. Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. I, I think even I cannot agree like, with you. We all wish we had. We all have superpowers. Right. Just, they don't. They, they can't. We can't fly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But we can be compassionate for somebody. That's Absolutely. A superpower. Cannot agree we can with you more. We love somebody that we that we totally don't don't look anything like or disagree with. Yeah. That's yep. a superpower. That's exactly so right. So rather, you know, so for me, it's like, you know, my mission is clear. You know, my 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 business plan is clear. And I feel like, you know, that that's, you know, there, I did a movie that I, you know, was financed with people that I totally 100% disagree with politically and their message. And, and my, my point was, is like, but, but that was my job. My job, exactly. I really existed. Exactly. I can do something that I don't 100%, you know, like I don't, I don't may not agree with the politics of it or, or the purpose and intent behind this. It's right. fucking but, I mean, acting. This guy's a historical <laughs> exactly. person that needs to, his voice needs to be heard. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, person's dead, yeah. and you talk about him all the time. This is movie Roe v. Wade. Right. And to play Henry yeah. Wade in Roe v. Wade. Yep. I don't know. That to me, that's a huge opportunity. A huge right. opportunity. Now, maybe the, the reason that the people behind it may be, you know, <laughs> they're trying to un- they want to change Roe v. Wade. Right. You know, I mean, one of the producers is like, "Hey, did you hear Kennedy's dead?" It's like our movie is going to going to reverse Roe v. Wade. And I'm like, well, I certainly hope not. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have a young teenage daughter who I'd like her to be able to make a choice and not have it be a government dictate. You right. know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. So we don't, we can agree to not disagree. We can agree to disagree. Exactly. And still get, and still make art. Like, yeah. You know, I know actors who stayed away from that movie because of all the, the politics. And yeah, those, I just uh, read about that. The right. religious right groups that were behind it. Hmm. And I felt like that's, but if we can't have a conversation, if we if we yes. choose not to create art with them, with people we don't agree with, yeah, then 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 where are we? We're nowhere. Exactly. We're, we're nowhere. Yeah. You know the deep, the unfriending and the not. If we can't have a communication or we can't create some piece of work together, then then we have a then we have a much bigger problem. Yeah. We we seriously do. Choosing to not be part of that dialogue or choosing to not be part of the project because of what the fear or worry how it's going to be received in the industry uh, that just was ridiculous to me oh, yeah. absolutely could not could not agree more uh, james you are a wise wise man sir uh, you like yoda <laughs> yeah no seriously <laughs> I, I made a mean, lot of mistakes yeah I, and that's how you learn you learn from mistakes but i i just simply could not agree with you more about what it means to be an artist and now more than ever it's time to make your mark as yeah. an artist and for you to the voice to be heard and you have to have a conversation and you start those conversations by sometimes doing things you don't agree with and, and you and you get the right. message out there and, exactly. and you do it and i just 
I cannot think of a single better way to end our conversation than on that note. Hell yeah. And I, I think Good. it's just it's it's a brilliant outlook. I, I commend you and uh, thank you so much for sharing that um, with, with our listeners. And I, I just open invite, sir. Anytime you would like to come back on this show and just talk yeah, and, man. and share stories, yeah. man, we would love I'll, to have, I'll have you. More to talk about after the first of the year. Yeah. That sounds good. A few things that I kind of have to wait on, but uh, you know, in the meantime, you know, people go go see some of my movies, man. I really appreciate absolutely. People, you know, I get great yeah. comments about Deepwater Horizon and Patriots Day, and uh, you know, now I'm on the Good Fight, which is a really great show up in New York. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, there's just a lot of good stuff out there that I just, you know, uh, I'm always appreciative when people, and I'm on, you know. I have open Facebook pages. It's not like sure. it's all private. And uh, I'm on Instagram, James Dumont, and Twitter, James yep. K. Dumont. So it's like people can kind of follow what I'm doing. But I, yeah. I always, it's always very nice and humbling when uh, people are acknowledging, uh, you know, a body of work and kind of sticking around. I may not be yeah. the guy that, you know, has tons of money in the bank. I don't. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, to, but I get to work with some amazing people and I create some kind of interesting characters that I think are are provocative and make people stop and think and and feel and be affected. And yeah, I, definitely. I, you know, there's no better job in my book. No, absolutely. And listen, we will most definitely uh, share all of your social media sites and direct people all your way. Hell yeah. And uh, continue to promote all of your projects. I'm glad you brought up The Good Fight because I'm, I'm a huge fan of The Good Fight. I think it was a brilliant spin Oh, man, spin-off. great show. Yeah. And, and our episode was all, like, it was, towards the end of the season, it was all about the states' rights versus federal rights. Right, I mean, that's, exactly. That was like you know we're 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 in the middle of this right now. Yep. You know, and it's going to keep it's going to continue. Yep. So I, I mean, what I always love about that show is that they're just kind of on the pulse. In fact, they were ahead of a few kind of issues that, that came up later on. But, Agreed. Agreed. Uh, it's you know such a good show, and it looks like there's a possibility of me coming back. So, well, well uh, congratulations. Keep us up to date on that watch. for sure. Well, Absolutely. I'll, I'll probably. Uh, All right, look- my friends. Oh. Any other questions? Uh, well, yeah. I'll, I'll probably be looking into another coaching session with you. <laughs> yeah. I would guess after this interview, a lot of our New Orleans listeners are going to be looking into some coaching sessions with you. I, I, I mean, I, I just... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that. And then, I'm, you know, I've been wanting to kind of come up to Mississippi, too. So it's like, you know, if y'all put six or eight people in a room, I, I mean, I'll show them all kinds of stuff. So, oh, my okay. goodness. We would you love know, that. All right. Hell, yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of the need. If I can, if I, I feel like I can't do more than eight. But you find eight people that are really kind of hungry. I'll jump in my car and jump up there. I've been doing that in Baton Rouge now. As I now I have a class in Baton Rouge. Yeah. That people are kind of clamoring for because you know my my friend Wayne Pere was teaching up there and I didn't want to go up while he was teaching. So he's now moved on, and so I basically start you know started the class up in Baton Rouge. So there's eight people who are consistently wanting me to come up there, and I come up and you know just to kind of knock it out. I do the same thing when I was up in Baltimore. I do it when I'm in LA. I just try to cut, just to keep everybody kind of sharp. So, right. you know, y'all awesome. want to put that together. You know how to reach me. Just reach out and just go, James, we've got eight people who are hungry. Let's do it. You know, I think we can find that. I bet we can Next find that. I got, I got <laughs> car and gas, and I'll just work my way up there and get some dinner. The K in James K. DeMont must stand for Kenobi. Kenobi, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that's yeah, nice. it could be Kenobi. That's right. <laughs> Kelvin, uh, which, is, which is my middle name, dude. and then uh, that's my son's first name, too. Uh, so awesome. Kind of that's that really cool. Awesome. Well, listen, congratulations on all of the success. Thank congratulations you, on the family. I think you're a solid family yep. man, and I, and I love that that's the priority in your life. Hell yeah. Um, so congratulations on that. And like I said, open invite. Anytime you want to come back, you give us a holler, and I'm sure we're going to be hollering back at you and having you back on real soon. Sounds good. Thanks again. Appreciate it. All right, it. Good. Have a good one now. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Take it easy. All right, bye.